0: Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. We are taking up the seven sayings that Jesus said from the cross before this upcoming Sunday, which is Easter. Today, we're gonna take up the fact that Jesus said, I thirst, how about that? I didn't know God could get thirsty. We're gonna talk about who really got crucified on the cross. We'll talk about the humanity and the deity of Jesus Christ today. Don't
1: you dare touch that dial
0: and turn to something else. You're gonna be blessed today.
1: For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian.
0: Hello and welcome again to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. And uh, we're taking up today saying number five of Jesus from the cross. We've had four up until now. The first one we discussed was Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. That's Jesus praying, and in fact, it was interesting. The very first thing he said from the cross was a prayer and prayed for those that were crucifying him. Next of all, he said to the thief today, you'll be with me in paradise. And that was a great one, because again, we know that man accepted the Lord. The other rejected, the other thief rejected, this one received the Lord. Number three, honoring Mary, he said to her, uh, to actually to John, take her, she's your mother now, and turn the keeping of his mother over to John. Next of all, number four, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And today we're gonna take up statement number five, in the Jesus on the cross said, I thirst. That's what the King James said. He just simply cried out, I am thirsty. And of course they gave him something to drink. We'll talk about this because this information emphasizes strongly it was the humanity of Jesus that was crucified, not the deity of Jesus that was crucified. He was God and man together in one, but he had to come as a man because as God, he couldn't die. The wages of sin is death, but God can't die. How do you kill God? All right. If God could die, okay, he can't, but what if he could? How do you kill him? How do you put God on a cross and run a nail through him? How do you put him on a cross and run a spear into him? He can't kill God. He's eternal life. How does eternal life die? He can't. It's it's against the nature of God to die. Uh, How can omnipotence, you know... um, All-knowing come to one spot and finally, you know, die. How can omnipotence die? That's all power. How does all power, you know, weaken itself and die? How can omnipresence reduce itself to one spot and die? Death is against every attribute of God, and God can't die. But he could die as a human being. But for God to accept the death of a human being, it had to be a perfect human being. That again comes back to the virgin birth. As a human being, he could take our place. As a perfect human being, he could satisfy God. And so, but coming to this earth as God and man together, we understand there were certain things he said from his deity as he spoke to the father. And he said, you know, uh, I've come to fulfill your will, O God. Uh, when he spoke to those around him, he said before, God, before Abraham was, I am. That was speaking out of his deity. But most everything Jesus said was out of his humanity. And this was one of them, I thirst. Why? Because God doesn't eat or drink. God doesn't get thirsty. Humanity gets thirsty. And on the cross, again, it was humanity that died for us, took our place but as a perfect human being. And he who was righteous became unrighteous for us. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. And Jesus took on the cross our curse. John 19 verse 28 says this, Jesus knowing, here's statement number five, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled said, I'm thirsty. John is the only gospel writer who recorded this particular saying. It was prophesied by David before it was spoken by Jesus and written by John. Psalm 69 verse 21, they also gave me gall for my food and for my thirst they gave me vinegar. This is how it's translated in the King James and also in the New Testament of the King James, it says they gave him vinegar to drink. That's what it says in Psalm 69 and verse 21. But the word vinegar is not the word vinegar, it's sour wine, the cheapest wine of all. Whenever they made wine, the good part of the grapes was used to make great wine, but when it came right down to it, at last, all they had was skins left over. They'd grind those skins and press on them really hard, and it could get a little juice out of them, but it was used to make the worst wine of all. We call it rock gut, and so that's what it was. It was the worst wine of all, and it was used mainly to help reduce pain. That's what they offered to Jesus on a sponge. Now, each tragedy in Jesus' life was prophesied in the Old Testament, including this one, that he would be betrayed by a friend. This is Psalm 41 in verse 9, of which David also was betrayed by a close friend, but compared it in prophecy to the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, he was forsaken by his disciples. Psalm 31 in verse 11 prophesied this would happen. Falsely accused, Psalm 35 in verse 11. And just as many uh, men of God and women of God have been falsely accused, Jesus was the chief one that was falsely accused because he not only never committed a sin, he had no nature in him of sin because not only was he born without that nature of sin, he refused every temptation of Satan that would have allowed that nature of sin to come in him as it did in Adam and Eve. Next of all, he was silent before his judges, Isaiah 53 and verse 7. He was proven guiltless, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 9. He was numbered with the transgressors. That was the two thieves, one on each side of him, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. He was crucified, Psalm 22 and verse 16 brings this out, mocked by the spectators, Psalm 22 verses 7 and 8, and Psalm 109 verse 25. The guards gambled for his clothing. Psalm 22 and verse 18. He prayed for his enemies on the cross, Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 12. He was forsaken by God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's quoted in Psalm 22 and verse one, the exact words Jesus used on the cross. He declared he was thirsty. That's what we're looking at today. Psalm 69 and verse 21. He yielded up his spirit to the Father. Psalm 31 and verse 5. His bones were not broken. Psalm 34 and verse 20. And in Isaiah 53 and verse 9, it says he was buried in a rich man's tomb. How much prophecy do you need to know that the word of God is accurate long before it happened some 500 years? Before Jesus was crucified, Isaiah prophesied of it. And so great things brought out there. And even before that, David brought it out. And all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 tells us he would come into this earth through the virgin birth. The word of God lives and abides forever. That's why the Bible has never had to be replaced, will not be replaced. When you hear something today, they say, oh, the Bible said this, the Bible's wrong. Hang on long enough, they'll have to find out the Bible was right. It's the only book in all around us that everything in it is absolutely perfect and correct. Even what's prophesied for the future will come to pass, like every single prophecy God has given up until that time has come to pass. So Isaiah 9, 6 says this, speaking of the humanity and deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, and when his uh, humanity came into existence, Isaiah 9, 6 says this, for unto us a child is born unto us a sin is given. And those asses were 500 years before the cross. And they're simply saying in our day, Yet to come, a child will be born and a son will be given. The child is his humanity and the son was his deity. Notice this. The child was born, but the son was given. The son already existed. The child came into existence. Mary was not the mother of God. She was the mother of the humanity of the Lord Jesus Christ because God has no mother. Ah, uh, has always existed. The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit never had a beginning. They are eternal. We are everlasting. God gives us eternal life, and we the moment we receive it, He gives of His eternal life to us. The moment we receive it, we have everlasting life. What's the difference? Everlasting life has a beginning but has no end. Eternal life had no beginning and has no end. God has forever been here. Talk about make smoke come out of your ear. When you start thinking about the fact that we have everlasting life, we'll be there forever and forever, and there is no end, that almost puts a kink into your brain. But why don't you stop and think about God who is eternal life, the three members of the Godhead never had a beginning they have always been here. That's a th- to think about infinity thinking about that. Jesus Christ came into this earth he was not 50% man and 50% god. He was 100% god and 100% man. He was not a divine man or a human god. He was forever God, and once born, he was forever man. He's eternally God and everlasting man. Humanity of God in Jesus Christ himself had a beginning and has no end, but deity never had a beginning and never had an end. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. First Timothy 3, 16 says, Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness, for God was manifest in the flesh." What a tremendous thing. Without contrary, without one bit of argument at all, we understand this. The mystery of godliness is that God was manifest in the flesh. And so when Jesus Christ came into this earth, that was God that was manifested there. And Hebrews 2.17 says this, therefore in all things he had to be made like unto his brethren. What's he simply saying? That as God, he couldn't redeem us. As God, he couldn't forgive us, you know, because again, he was not a human being. But when Jesus came to this earth and took on humanity, God now could forgive mankind through the work of the cross. God now could have a relationship with man through the work of the cross because Jesus Christ came made like his brethren, but also unlike his brethren. He's made like us in that he had a human body. He wasn't a good looking man. In fact, we're told in Isaiah 53, he just looked just like anybody else. There was no beauty Or anything like that, that we should desire him. No comeliness in him, no handsomeness. I think if we put him in a movie, made a movie about him, we'd make him look really handsome and all that. No, Jesus looked like anybody else walking down the street. Never would grab your attention as far as just naturally a human being. But he came into this earth, and the reason why he came to this earth was he came to this earth through the human as a human through the virgin birth so that he could therefore qualify to be our redeemer. In all things, he had to be made like unto his brethren. So therefore, Jesus could be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He could be lonely as a human being. He could sleep as a human being, but on top of that, he could be thirsty as a human being. On the cross, Jesus, not God, not Christ, Jesus cried out and said, I'm thirsty. The sayings of Jesus from the cross were from his humanity. And as he spoke out there, it's because his humanity went to the cross. Again, we've pointed out God can't be killed. You can't run a nail through God. How do you kill him? He can't be killed. He had to become a human being to die for us. And he came in this earth for one reason, to seek and to save that which was lost and to die for our sins. As the God-man, Jesus is a perfect mediator. Job chapter nine says this. We'll come back to this also after the break and emphasize this, but I want to point out some things to you. Job chapter nine says this in verses one and two. I know it is so, but how can a man be righteous before God? If one wished to contend with him, he could not answer him one time out of a thousand. What's this verse saying? Job here in chapter nine was frustrated. It's like God was over here, millions of miles away. He was down here on this earth. He said, it's not the distance between us that separates us. What separates us is I'm a human being and he's God. I mean, what could I possibly know? He knows everything. I don't know much. What I do know, I'm not sure it's correct. He went into this whole thing and that's the point. Then he went on to say, if one wished to contend or argue with God, God could probably ask me a thousand questions and I wouldn't have an answer for any one of them. That's how smart God is. And what he's saying here is there's this gulf between us. I'm on this side of the month. And beyond that, simply because he's God and perfect and I'm man is and, and I'm not perfect, and he has a he has at least a thousand questions you could ask me. I have no idea where they're coming from. In fact, God even in the book of Job said, Where were you and I created the angels? Uh, I don't know. He weren't here. I created the angels, you know, as the first of of uh, intelligent beings I created was angels. He, and Then again, as, as he's bringing this out in this verse of scripture, he simply says there's a space between us. But the next thing he's going to say is also, he's righteous, I'm not. Sin stands between us and separates us. What am I going to do about that gulf of sin between us? Oh, if there was just a mediator, guess what? There is. His name is Jesus. See ya right after halftime.
1: Jesus' final words, the last seven statements that he made before descending and ultimately ascending from earth into heaven, Hold great significance for both the believer and for the world. In this six part topical study, Pastor Bobby Endian closely examines and explains the seven statements Jesus made from the cross. Studying those statements carefully sheds light on their significance in the lives of believers today. Message titles include Father, Forgive Them, Today in Paradise, Behold Your Son. My God, my God, I thirst. It is finished. And Father, into your hands. To order Seven Sayings from the Cross, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. Pastors,
0: ministers, I know many of you would like to have some evening classes. Maybe you don't have enough in the congregation to really have fellowships, home groups, things like that. But this is the most important. This is supplemental the Word of God. I have a curriculum series, 10 30-minute uh, lessons on video, as well as my book on end times that goes along with it, a teaching on the subject of probably one that pastors fear the most is end times. Don't understand it. With all the different viewpoints today, I come back to the basics of what the Word of God says, there is a rapture of the church coming. And seven years later after that, Jesus is coming back to establish his millennial kingdom on this earth. And so much is taught in the Word of God about the simplicity of what God is saying. Once you understand it, then it seems like confusion is gone. If you'd like to do this, you might have a time where you do it over a two week period five nights a week or spread it out into 10 weeks, whatever you would like to do. I know it'll be a great blessing to you. And on top of that, your congregation will come out smarter on the other end and you'll look good because you brought it into the church. See about having this series just for yourself. Let's take a look again at Job chapter nine, verses one and two. Here, Job says, speaking to God out of frustration, out of bitterness, out of anger, I'm trying to get through this whole thing and you're up there and you're smart, but I don't seem to be getting connected with you. I'm down here. I'm dumb. I can't get connected with you. I'm sure there's at least a thousand questions you would have that I couldn't answer any of them. That's how smart you are. And this gulf that's between us, he says in verses one and two of Job nine, I know it is so. But how can a man be righteous before God? He said, I know it can be, but I don't understand it. If one wished to contend with him, he couldn't answer him one time out of a thousand. What's the problem? Jump down to verse 32. Here's the real problem. For he is not a man as I am that I may answer him and that we should come together in judgment. Ah, If he was just a human being that I could sit down and talk to, guess what? He became a human being. That's where our answer is. Look in verse 33. For there neither is there any mediator between us who may lay his hand upon us both. But there is a mediator. His name is Jesus. God who is out there and distant and holy and me down here who am unholy. God who is righteous. I who am a sinner and this impassable gulf between us called sin, and God is so smart and I'm so dumb, if God could just come down here and be a human being, that I could talk to him, he could answer my questions, and then we could come together in judgment. And oh, if there was just a mediator between us who might lay his hand one on me and one on God and unite the two impossibilities, wouldn't that be wonderful? It happened, for unto us a child was born, but unto us that son, which always exists existed, was given, and his name is Jesus Christ, even his name, Jesus Christ. Jesus was the name of his humanity. Christ was a title for his deity, representing the fact that he was the Messiah, and he came to this earth and he came into this earth so we could be joined together, and he's the God man. Again, if there was just someone that could come at this time, and we could come together in judgment, oh, if he was just a man. God became a man, and he became a perfect man, and as a perfect man, Jesus could die for us as a human being. As perfect, he could satisfy God. God was looking for, yes, a substitute to be put on the cross but the substitute had to be the innocent lamb. Just like they studied the lamb for Passover for three days, they studied it for three years. They studied Jesus. He became visible and walked around showing himself. And twice during his earthly ministry, while he was ministering, God spoke from heaven, said, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. If God was pleased with him, man certainly could be pleased with him. It took religion to hate him. And so Jesus again went to the cross and on the cross, he died for us as a perfect human being because not only was he born born in perfection through the virgin birth, but for 33 years, he never once yielded to Satan, tempted in all points as we are yet without sin, went to the cross without sin. So the sinless humanity could die for cursed humanity. And on the cross, these cries that we have out of the cross, it said, Jesus, 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 even when he was resurrected from the dead, the angels were smart enough to say, I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. It was Jesus that was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, how God anointed Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not Christ of heaven. He anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And here's the good news. If he can anoint Jesus of Nazareth, he can can anoint Bob of Tulsa. He can appoint Bill of Newark. No matter where you live, he can anoint you. You understand that? Because that's the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was on Jesus. That's why he told him, don't you even budge before he went to heaven. Don't you even budge until you've gone to the upper room and are filled with the Holy Spirit for you shall receive power like I received power when I was baptized in the River Jordan The power of God came upon me, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with healing power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. And that's been given to me in the Great Commission and also through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, Because there's certain ones there working in miracles and gifts of healings that can operate through me. And the point of it is Jesus is the mediator between God and man. And when he came, he could put one hand on God and one hand on man and unite the two impossibilities. Jesus spanned that gulf between us. And here's the good news. Sin is no longer the issue. He became sin. Sin no longer separates me from God. What separates me from God is my one thing. Will I accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? Jesus died for every sin except one. And the one sin he didn't die for was rejection of himself. If he would have died for that, we'd have universalism. Everybody would be born into this earth, born again. But he left that as a choice for us. And the issue is not the sin we came out of. It wasn't the unbelief we came out of. It wasn't the robbing of banks we came out of. It wasn't the murder we came out of. It wasn't the adultery, fornication, prostitution, homosexuality. You can name all the sins you want to. That he died for on the cross, but rejection of him is the one thing that separates those from going to heaven or hell. Those names not found written in the book of life were cast in the lake of fire, which means those names that are found written in the book of life will be brought up into heaven forever and forever. He can put his hand on both of us because he is both of us. He can put one hand on man because he is man. He can put one hand on God because he is God. He can satisfy the claims of God because he is God. He can satisfy the claims of man because he is man. He is the only means of salvation, the only one standing between us and God. Buddha doesn't stand between us and God. Mohammed doesn't stand between us and God, only Jesus Christ. And 1 Timothy 2.5 says, this, there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He can satisfy the claims of God again because he is God and satisfy the claims of man because he is man. Let's take a look at names for his humanity. Jesus and son of man were titles for his deity. When referring to the cross, and referring to his personal life and human life, Jesus went to the cross. The son of man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The son of man will be crucified. And Jesus said, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And so when Jesus talked about his humanity, why would he say the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head? Because deity doesn't sleep, but humanity did. Jesus Christ as a human being slept. He slept in the, in the boat as they were going to cross, across the, you know, across the Sea of Galilee. He went to sleep in the boat. So humanity gets tired, but deity never gets tired. Humanity eats, but deity doesn't eat. Jesus could suffer thirst on the cross. Why? Because he was a human being. And that's why Jesus cried out for the cross, not Christ. Jesus cried out from the cross and said, I thirst. And so that was titles for his humanity. Again, let's talk about it. Names for his humanity, Jesus and son of man. Names for his deity, If Jesus is a name for his humanity, then Christ must be a title for his deity. If son of man is a name for his humanity, then a title for his deity has to be son of God. And we find that there, names for his union, as far as the union of God and man is Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. When we find those attached together, it's a reference to both his humanity and deity united together in one person. Again, he's not 50% God and 50% man. He's 100% God, 100% man, the unique person of the universe, the only one that's ever existed like him before and there's salvation in no other name than through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses five through seven. My favorite Christmas verse. This is an incredible verse. Look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5 through 7. It says, when he came into the world. When did he come into the world? This is when he came into uh, the birth. This is when he was placed in the manger. When he came into the world, he said this in the manger. He said, I want you to stop and think about this phrase. When he came into the manger, when he came into the world, he said, He wasn't speaking from his humanity, Mary would have freaked out right there beside the manger. No. When he came into the world, he said from his deity. What did he say to the Father from his deity? Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you had no pleasure, no permanent pleasure temporarily appeased with burnt offerings and sacrifices, but never totally satisfied. You've had no pleasure, no lasting pleasure, no permanent uh, voice from God saying, now I am pleased. Then it says in verse seven, then I said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. I've come to fulfill the entire Old Testament, every jot, every tittle, every sacrifice, every law I have come to fulfill. He said, behold, I have come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do your will. Oh, God, you know, when this was totally complete, when Jesus was on the cross and said it is finished, he wasn't referring to the plan of salvation. It wasn't finished yet. The plan of salvation wasn't finished yet till Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father in heaven. What he said was, and what he meant was on the cross when he said, he said, it is finished. He was referring to the law. It was totally over. He had fulfilled every part of the law. And on the cross, he said that. And in John eight fifty eight, he said to those religious people from that time right there, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. That was spoken from his deity. Of course, before Abraham was, I am. And oh, did they freak out because I am is the name of God. And he actually took on the name of deity. And he's simply saying, you know, we told his disciples one day speaking out of his deity. He said, I saw, I saw Lucifer fall from heaven. I saw Satan fall from heaven. I was there, not as a human being, but as deity. I saw him fall from heaven as lightning. Jesus spoke from his humanity mainly. I mean most everything he said and spoke was from his humanity. Matthew 8:20 Foxes have holes birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He didn't say the son of God because the son of God doesn't sleep or lay his head down. He said foxes and all that. And so, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Although Jesus was talking about when he traveled, there was no place for him to go. So he just slept with his disciples. A lot of times outside. Matthew sixteen thirteen, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I, the son of man am? He said, what are they saying about me? And they said, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah, one of the prophets of the Old Testament. Then he went on to say, who do you say that I am? Notice he switched to I am. And at that point is when Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. So there we have it, John 19, 28. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now on the cross, notice this, Jesus, John 19, 28. Jesus, knowing all things were now accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. He spoke from his humanity. Why? Jesus said, because deity doesn't get thirsty. Deity doesn't sleep nor need a place to sleep. Deity doesn't eat or drink, but as a man, Jesus got tired, hungry, and on the cross, extremely thirsty, and Jesus was given vinegar, or Jesus was given sour wine, for to drink, and it says in John 19, verse 29, again, what we began with, they set a vessel full of vinegar and they filled the sponge with vinegar. And that vinegar again was sour wine and put it on a hisp and put it to his mouth and Jesus drank it. So it dulled the senses and the feeling of pain. Jesus refused it the first time in Matthew 27, verse 34, but just before dying, asked for it and drank this time. Jesus died for us as humanity died for us, so that we as human beings might be declared to be the righteousness of God in Christ. I'll see you next time.
1: You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. Visit bobyandian.com. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen.